Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. We are getting ready for Easter and what I thought we would do today, we've been doing a series on talking about Jesus' life, letting people see Jesus, and we're going through it chronologically using all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, going chronologically. But because it's Easter, I decided we would look at an Easter theme in the letting people see Jesus. And I want to look at the night before Jesus was crucified. He's just had supper with his disciples and Interestingly enough, it says at the end of supper, they sang a hymn together. Did you know Jesus sang worship songs? Isn't that interesting? Never thought of that. But they sang a worship song together. And then they went to uh, the Mount of Olives and a garden called Gethsemane, which means pressed olives. It means the, the oil coming out of olives when they're pressed. Went to Gethsemane and we're going to read about this short passage when Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane for a few hours before He was arrested and beaten, a crown of thorns pushed into his head, clubs and fists beating him, his beard pulled out of his face. The Bible says he was marred beyond human recognition, more than any other man. So he didn't even look like a human anymore. Just blood and gore, whipped, um, beaten. Then he had to carry a big cross with splinters on it up a hill nails driven into him and he died after several hours on the cross but what happened before that this prayer time is what i want to look at next weekend we look at the resurrection hallelujah but for this week i want to look at what happened just before he was crucified and i believe it's going to help us so matthew chapter 26 verse 36 then jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. How many did he say that to? Eight. He said that to eight of his disciples. We know that Judas had already gone off to betray him, so there were 11 left. He took three with him further on to pray, which means he left eight to sit there and doesn't really say what they were going to do. Just sit, talk about cricket. Verse 37, and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Now, there's the human side of Jesus coming out here where he knows what's going to happen. You say, does he know what's going to happen? Yes. Psalm 22 was written 800 years before crucifixion was even invented. And it starts off, it says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then it describes in extreme detail what it's like to be crucified. Piercing of hands and feet, my bones come out of joint, they're casting lots to to take my clothes. It describes the crucifixion scene. Jesus knew what was going to happen to him. He knew in extreme detail the physical pain that that he was going to go through. But he also knew the emotional and spiritual pain. So he's aware and it says he became sorrowful and deeply distressed. Was it just human sorrow? I don't believe it was. I believe he was interceding. There was a a prayer going on here. You know, in John 11, when he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead, he's already told his disciples, Lazarus is going to, he's dead, but he's going to come alive again. He knows what he's going to do. But the Bible says he wept and he groaned in himself. 
And people look at that and say, oh, look how he loved Lazarus. It wasn't that. He was doing prayer. He was doing some kind of spiritual warfare to overcome the power of death. And the same thing, I believe, is what's happening here. There is a human sorrow, but there's a, a prayer going on in Jesus' heart that we've got to get a hold of because it'll change our lives whenever we come, a, come across something that's daunting. You know, tomorrow I've got that meeting. Oh, what's going to happen with my ex-husband? What's going to happen with my children? I've got this terrible financial thing. I've got a, a diagnosis of a medical problem. How do I handle this? I can get sorrowful with a human sorrow, or I can do what Jesus did, which was go to prayer so that he could handle the pain to come. And he overcame and rose again. Let's read on. Verse 38, then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. And we know Jesus doesn't lie. He was saying, I'm, there's such a deep emotion going on in my heart right now that I might even die from it. Isn't that amazing? Stay here and watch with me. That word watch is the word Gregorio. That's where my name, Greg, comes from. Watchful vigilant stay here and watch what did he want them to watch was it just them watching him was it watching that when the soldiers came was it watching in the spiritual realm of what is god doing a bit of all of them and he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying oh my father if it is possible let this cup pass from me. This cup is a picture, a picture language. You know, when you drink a cup of medicine or, or some strong fluid, mulled wine or something like that, it's, it's got a taste and it, it evokes a reaction from you. It's a picture of the suffering. He, he was going to have to drink the suffering that he was going, going to go through. And not just physical. I think the physical was bad enough, but the, the mental, emotional and spiritual pain that he was going to go through taking on the sins of the whole world every human sin that has ever been committed and the consequence of it you know when someone sins against you imagine someone cuts you off in traffic and you go oh, you you get there's emotion that comes out of you and you want to get them when someone breaks into your home and steals something from you there's an emotion you want to get them when someone does something worse murders someone or or kills a whole lot of people. There's a strong emotion. Justice, get them back. Jesus took all the punishment to, to make justice completely satisfying for every sin that has ever happened and will ever happen in that time of, of crucifixion. And that mental and emotional and spiritual pain was the cup that he was going to drink. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Um, Mark says, he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. He was saying, Daddy, is there a way? Is there a way we can get through this? Another way. Can we make this as easy as possible? Because I, it's really hard. If the Son of God says it's really hard, you know that it was really incredible. Um, Luke says that his sweat became like great drops of blood. And doctors will tell you there's a medical condition, I think it's called hematidrosis or something, where you're in such anguish that you start to sweat blood. It happens, but in Jesus' case, it was great clots of blood, that Greek word is. Big dollops of blood were coming out of his skin. Amazing. 
And some people say, you know, Jesus shed his blood on the cross. He started paying for the sins of the world. He started shedding his blood here in prayer and intercession before any human hand beat him. He'd already started paying with his blood in prayer. Isn't that amazing? And if he hadn't, I don't think he would have been able to take the human beating. Verse 40, then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? And this is the title of my talk today. Could you watch with Jesus for one hour? It's interesting because Luke says the disciples were sleeping from sorrow. Many of us think they were sleeping just because they were tired. They were lazy, you know, no goods, oh, too lazy. But it actually says they were sleeping from sorrow. And I read a doctor's report which says that extreme sorrow and emotional anguish can result in you just sleeping. And he actually gave examples of a lot of people on death row um, who sleep so soundly the night before they're about to be executed because incredible sorrow causes you to sleep. So it says that the disciples were sleeping and Jesus said, could you not watch with me one hour? Verse 41, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Jesus was saying that it's not just praying for him and with him. They were praying for themselves. Je Jesus was saying to Peter especially, pray because the devil, we know from a couple of verses earlier, Jesus said to Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you that you may not fail. Jesus knew that Peter was going to be strongly tempted and it was going to nearly destroy him. The fact that Peter denied Jesus three times and said, I don't know him, nearly broke Peter. He gave up everything. He went back to fishing on the Sea of Galilee. He gave up the ministry. And if it wasn't for Jesus going back to him after he rose again and saying, do you love me three times to make up for the three times he denied him, Peter would have been lost forever. He knew the temptation was going to be extreme for Peter. And he was saying, if you pray now, you'll be able to handle it. But Peter didn't pray. He slept. It goes on to say, Jesus said, the spirit is indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And this is the key to why the disciples failed. Their flesh, they were trying to do it in their flesh instead of in the spirit. They were using their own willpower, strength. Let me get up, let me set my alarm an hour early. Let me try my hardest, flesh, flesh, flesh. And when we rely on the flesh, we will never be able to do what God wants us to do. We'll never be able to pray. But the spirit is what we need to rely on. And they weren't filled with the spirit yet. They had the Spirit on them doing various miracles, but it was only at Pentecost a little bit later that they were filled with the Spirit. But we can be, and most of us are, filled with the Spirit. We can do this. We can pray for an hour. Verse 42, again a second time he went away and prayed and said, Oh my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. Verse 43, and he came and found them asleep again for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed a third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples, said, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. He was now ready to handle what was coming. I've got three points today. The power of prayer, the power of three, and the power of one. And I'm going to go through them reasonably quickly. First of all, the power of prayer. Friends, when you're up against a difficult situation financially, relationally, uh, the pressures of life, 
like Jesus was, the temptation for us is to use our flesh and our mental ability and our own activity to try and solve the problem. So we say, let me get more busy. Let me try and talk to people. Let me try and manipulate situations, convince and cajole. Let me try and sort this problem out. I've got to talk to that guy. We stay up late at night worrying, how am I going to solve this? How am I going to solve this? Jesus prayed and he said to Peter, pray. Friends, the answer to our problems, there is a place for physical activity, but the real answer is going to be prayer. Whatever your circumstance, whatever you're going through, whatever you are facing, prayer enables you to bring God's will to bear in this current world. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We call down the power of God from heaven and we release it in prayer. And that's what Jesus was saying to Peter, pray so that you'll be able to stand up under temptation. And Jesus was doing, he was getting himself ready. The Bible talks about four aspects of prayer. It says prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, and intercession in Philippians 4 verse 6 and 1 Timothy 2 verse 1. It talks about four aspects of prayer. Prayer is not just one thing. There is prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, and intercession. So Jesus in prayer was saying, God, this is what I'm feeling. And it's similar to what David did in the Psalms. David would go before God and say, God, how long will you be away from me? Why don't you answer my prayers? Lord, would you break the jaw of my enemies? He was honest before God. He just talked to God and said, God, if it's possible, I, I'm really battling. Can you take this away from me? Prayer is being honest before God. And if we don't do that, we're always going to have a mask on our face and we're never going to connect with God. We've got to go and say, God, this is me and this is what's going on in my life. That's prayer. Supplication says, please, can we change this, Lord? Can we turn this around? And we've got to do that. We've got to ask for things. Thanksgiving says, Lord, I praise you because you are God. You know what's best. Your power is great. You are able. And it starts to confess how great God is. And Jesus said, you, you know what's best, Lord. Your will be done. And then intercession is where I stand in the gap between God and heaven and the world and the pain around me. And I take the feelings of both and I try and exert God's will onto earth through spiritual intercession. And this is what Jesus was doing. He was saying, God, the pain of the world, your will to forgive people. And he's being the gap in between. And he was taking the place. And he was saying, Lord, I'm standing for them. And his sweat started to drop like blood. I wonder if you've been through that. I wonder if you've been through those four steps of prayer. You know, well, I'm going to get onto the power of three in a minute. But a lot of people pray, but they hardly ever go into intercession. Supplication, yes. Thanksgiving, less so. But supplication, hardly ever. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Be anxious about nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God, and the peace of God which passes understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Awesome. The power of prayer. Can I just say, you've tried it, I bet, in your own way, in your own strength. You've tried to solve problems. You've tried to resolve conflicts with people. Try prayer. Try prayer. The power of prayer is incredible. If Peter had tried it, he would have stood up under temptation. 
Jesus tried it and he was able to go through the worst punishment and pain that anyone could ever go through and come out victorious. Try prayer. My second point is the power of three. There were eight who were sitting, watching, doing nothing. There was one who was betraying, but there were three who were with Jesus. They were his partners. They were standing with him. He says, come and watch with me. Stand with me in prayer. Take my mission into your heart and make it your mission. Let my heart be your heart. There, there is a power in partnership. And Jesus doesn't do anything on his own. Everything he does, he wants to do in partnership with us. And this is linked to prayer because Romans 8 verse 26 says, We do not know what we should pray for, but the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And that word helps is a long Greek word. It's made up of three Greek words. Sun anti lambanomai. Long Greek word. We don't know what we ought to pray, but the Holy Spirit helps us. Sun anti lambanomai. And that word means takes hold of things together with us against an enemy. That's what that Greek word means. Sun means together. Anti means against. And lambanamai means take hold of. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Holy Spirit takes hold of situations together with us against the devil. That's prayer. And everything that God wants to do, He wants to do in partnership with us. We say, God, would you just sort it out? He says, I'll do it with you. Do you remember in, I think it's Exodus 14, the Israelites are standing at the edge of the Red Sea. And Moses says, don't worry. The, the Egyptian army are coming to attack on this side. The Red Sea is on this side. They're stuck between a rock and a hard place. There's no escape. Moses says, don't worry. The battle's not yours. It's the Lord's. And the very next verse, God says to Moses, what, what are you talking about? You go and you stretch your hand out over the Red Sea. Moses was just sitting back and saying, God will do it. And God said to Moses, no, you will do it with me. That's what he said to him. You stretch out your hand over the sea. You make it part, but it's my power. Everything God does is together with us. Uh, Jesus calls Peter. Peter says, Lord, is that you? Tell me to walk on the water. I don't know why he thought he should walk on the water. There was no good reason for it. But he just thought, let's try some spiritual fun things to do. And, and Jesus said, come. But Peter had to use his own energy, muscles, willpower to get out of that boat, overcome his fear, move his legs and jump onto the water. Whatever God does, it's you and him and, and preferably other Christians together. Jesus said, where two agree on anything, it will be done by my Father in heaven. You know, Jesus only used the word church twice. In Matthew 16 and Matthew 18. He only ever said the word church twice. And both times... After that, he said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In Matthew 16, he says, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail. And I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind or loose will be done in heaven. Then in Matthew 18, he's talking about the church again. He says, where two agree on anything, it will be done by my Father in heaven. For where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And he says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose will be loosed. There's this thing about a, a team of God's people, the church, which he gives the keys of the kingdom to. And God says, I want partners. I'm not going to do this on my own. I want people to agree with me in prayer and then we'll get this thing done. My question to you is, are you one of the three or are you one of the eight? Or hopefully you're not the one who was Judas. Because God is looking for people who will take his mission and make it their mission. The church is full 
of people who are spectators. And I'm not against that. Jesus wasn't cross with the eight. But he says, I'm looking for those who will feel my pain with me for the world and for what I'm going through. They will watch and pray. Watch means they watch me. They watch the spiritual world. They watch the physical world. And they intercede and put the three together. And they bring my will to pass. Are you going to be one of those three? Please think about it. You can sit and be a spectator for your whole Christian life and watch on the sidelines and see God do great things. Psalm 103 says, Moses knew the ways of the Lord, but the Israelites knew his deeds. Moses knew why and how God was doing things. The Israelites sat as spectators and saw the results and said, oh, God's part of the Red Sea. Moses knew why and how it had happened. God's looking for those who get involved, not just watch and say, hey, what a great service we had today. No, I know why there was a great service, because we spend an hour praying beforehand. Do you see that? It's not just my interest, my world, my life, my well-being, my family, my finances. No, no, I'm worried about God's kingdom first, and then all these other things come second. So that's the power of three. Power of prayer, powerful thing. The power of three Get in with God and with others, and you'll see amazing results. Thirdly, the power of one. And this is the power of one hour of prayer. When I was a brand new Christian, I'd been a Christian maybe an, a month, I read a book uh, called, Could You Not Watch With Me One Hour? And the man was talking about setting aside an hour of prayer and tarrying and travailing. He used old-fashioned English. It was a, an old book. I, I can't remember who wrote it, but it was one of the <coughs> old classics. And he talked about travailing in prayer. Where you get into a place of prayer, you feel God's heart for a situation, you feel the pain of the world, and you work through it, and you travail, and it's like you're giving birth to God's will until you feel a release and the burden is lifted, and you go, wow, we've achieved something in prayer. Can I challenge you? brother and sister, if you haven't, try to set aside an hour of prayer. Could you not watch with me and pray with me one hour? There is a power in it. I was a brand new Christian and I was at boarding school and I remember I would lock the door of my study. I was lucky enough to have one room of my own and I would get under the desk and I would curl up in a ball and I didn't know what I was doing, but I would pray for an hour and God did something in me in that time that has lasted forever for the whole of my life. Things changed in my life in that short period of time where I was praying for an hour that have stuck with me forever. If you will pray for an hour, you'll see incredible results. A couple of practical things. When you pray for an hour, use all four types of prayer. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving is important, and intercession. Use all four. Secondly, pray in the spirit and not in the flesh. If it's just going to be you and your own human logic trying to decide what to pray for, you're going to struggle. But again, Romans 8, 26 says, We do not know what we should pray for, but the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness and makes intercession for us with groans that words cannot express. And that word express basically means cannot be put into words that we understand. Groans come out of us when we pray in the Spirit. Sometimes it's in another language. Sometimes it's just groaning. You know, uh, Jesus, when he went to heal a blind, a deaf man, he, it says, let me just read the verse to you. Looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, 
ephpatha, which means be open. And that word side is the same word that is used to translate the word groaned in John 11, where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. It says he groaned within himself. And it's a word, a Greek word, embrimaumai. And it comes from the word brimaumai, which means to snort with anger. <laughs> There's something spiritual going on where it's not just my flesh deciding what I should pray for. God, there's something going on deep inside of me and the emotion and the passion of God's will and the pain of the earth are meeting in me and we're praying God's will to pass. Friends, if you haven't done that, I challenge you. Set aside an hour, find a place where you can be by yourself. Say, God, what is your will? What are you saying? What are you doing? Pray in the Spirit. Allow His emotion to come into you. And watch as burdens lift. You pray and you pray and you pray until you feel the burden is lifted. And, and things change in the world around you. So my conclusion today is Jesus was not just a human unhappy about the fact he was going to be beaten up on a cross. There was a human aspect to Jesus' pain. Absolutely. But I want to say to you that Jesus was interceding in prayer as much as he did on the cross. And because he did it in prayer, he was able to achieve what he achieved for us on the cross. The same for you and for me. There's temptations, just like Peter had things coming against him. There are things that the world and the enemy and other people are throwing at you, which you will only be able to overcome if you spend time in prayer. And the result is incredible. You, you put aside an hour in prayer, you find you don't need the five hours that you thought you needed to solve a problem. It only takes three. God will come through for you. You don't need to worry, run around. How am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to find this money? How am I going to solve this problem? Spend the hour in prayer and watch the Lord break through. And then lastly, get together with others in prayer and watch the increased power that God brings about. Just something the Lord's just brought to my mind. Um, the word ekteno means to be stretched. And Luke 22:44, talking about Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, said he prayed more earnestly and that's, it's that word stretched, ekteno. That same word is used in Acts chapter 12 when it talks about the church praying for Peter when he's in prison about to be beheaded. It says, and the church prayed earnestly, ekteno, stretched. There's something about that stretching in prayer where it stretches us emotionally, mentally, physically, even physically. We feel the pain that brings about God's will. James 5 says, uh, the righteous, the fervent, effective prayer of a righteous man avails much. Fervent prayer, effective prayer, not just, oh, gentle Jesus, thy Father, our will, God bless you. It's none of that. It's real getting into it, letting God's emotion and God's heart and the pain of the world intersect in us. And watch what happens. You give birth to God's will. So let's stand up together, please. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the power of prayer that you've given us this privilege. Lord, that you ask us to come and be with you in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the power of three, that we can unite with you and with others. And thank you, Lord, for the power of an hour of prayer. And I pray, Lord, that you would birth that in us today. Lord, I pray that everyone in this room, we would be one of the three, not one of the eight. Lord, I pray that you would fill us with a passion for your will and your kingdom rather than our own. And Lord, I pray that you would through our prayers and through the power that you put in us, change the world around us, Lord. I pray for everyone in this room and for 
each of our families and loved ones and extended families, God, that the power of prayer would start to break out in families and in people's lives in this place. Lord, I pray for financial issues to be turned around and for prosperity and abundance to flow. Lord, I pray for health problems to be completely broken and for healing to flow. Lord, I pray for relationships to be strengthened and rebuilt and for relationship, peace and joy to flow. And I thank you, God, that you do it as we pray, as we partner with you. Your kingdom breaks through into our lives. Thank you, God. Let's just spend a few moments just putting our hearts in a place right now where we say, God, I want to be one of those who watches and prays with you for an hour. Here I am, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Lord God, help me. Jesus, help me. Lord, I'm sorry that in the past I prayed in the flesh. I've just prayed when I could or, or with my own mind and thoughts. Lord, I want to pray in the Spirit, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would help us. Help each one of us, Lord, to go deeper, to go further with you in prayer and to see your kingdom come. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.